Hey friend, just a quick note for you before you get into this episode. Since I released this season last year, I have since changed around some of the domains on my site, and now the links that I mention in the original episodes no longer work. So before, if I mentioned a link like filmmakerfreedom.com slash one, that link is now filmfreedomshow.com slash one, and it's the same throughout this entire season. So sorry for the inconvenience with that, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show. It's the dream that so many of us have. Not only making the films that we care about, telling the stories that we want to tell that we're passionate about telling, but actually earning a living from it. For the majority of film history, there was really only one way to achieve this goal. You had to make a great film, take it to prestigious film festivals, have a distribution company pick up the rights, and enjoy yourself a nice payday. And then you'd start all over. Perhaps to your surprise, today's episode of the Filmmaker Freedom Podcast won't cover that strategy at all. Because the hard truth is that it won't work for the vast majority of people, even if they're talented filmmakers, even if they make great work consistently. I know it sucks to hear that, but we really need to start busting some of these broken paradigms where success is nothing more than a statistical anomaly. Don't believe me? Here's the lowdown that you probably won't hear from a lot of other indie film blogs and podcasts. No matter how good you are at making films, this outcome of getting into a prestigious festival and having a reputable distribution company send you off into the sunset with a fat check is about as likely as winning the lottery. Just for instance here, about 14,000 films were submitted to Sundance in 2017 or for the 2017 festival. And roughly 100 of those were accepted, give or take, I think a few more. For you math wizards out there, that means, statistically speaking, your chance of getting into Sundance is less than 1%. Ouch. And even if you do beat the odds and you make it into Sundance, or Toronto, or South by Southwest, or Berlin, or name your festival, and even if your premiere earns recognition and acclaim, the chances of you enjoying a substantial payday from the sale of your film are very slim. The vast majority of festival films don't get a favorable distribution deal or a distribution deal at all. And that, my friends, is why today's episode won't say anything more about the traditional way of doing things in the indie film world. So if that's the case, then what is this episode all about? In one word, it's about having an audience. But more specifically, it's about cutting out the middlemen and about taking your films directly to your fans. It's about taking control of your own destiny instead of hoping that someone will discover you. And just like the last few episodes, in order to tackle the subject properly, I brought in a filmmaker who's been producing original documentaries for the last 10 years and who's been providing for himself and his family by distributing them himself. And in today's episode, he's going to share exactly how he did it.
However, before we can dive into the meat of today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about Music Vine, the cool company sponsoring this first season of the Filmmaker Freedom Podcast. So you have a lot of choices these days when it comes to finding music for your films and video projects, but Music Vine truly stands above the pack. Not only is it refreshingly straightforward to license music you'd actually want to use, but it's also genuinely affordable, even for indie filmmakers on shoestring budgets. And the best part is, the music is all thoughtful, expressive, and genuine. It's sourced from indie artists all over the globe who put the same care and attention and soul into their music as you do into your films. And that's why all of the music in this podcast comes straight from the Music Find Library. So if you like what you hear in today's show, you can learn more about Music Vine and get an exclusive 10% discount on your first song when you visit filmmakerfreedom.com. All right, so let's dive back into the episode. You know, I've adopted, you know, this idea that I'm in control of of the outcome. I control the sales and and I'm not thinking I'm not in a hope mentality. This is Mike Dion, a Denver-based documentary filmmaker who's legitimately cracked the code of do-it-yourself direct distribution. He's one of the very few people I know who actually earns his living from making indie films and distributing them himself. After being laid off from his marketing job maybe 10 years ago, Mike took his severance money and did something most of us would probably find a little crazy. He started making documentaries. And not just that, he started making documentaries about a subject with seemingly little financial upside, and that's endurance cycling. Over the years that followed, Mike made five documentaries and continually improved his direct distribution shops. So these days, when he releases a film, he can completely bypass festivals and distributors while still having a world premiere and plenty of theatrical screenings. He's also killing it in terms of physical products like DVDs, shirts, and posters. And all of this is in addition to the various VOD platforms that we typically think of when we imagine DIY distribution. But the tool that enables this more than anything else is that Mike has an audience, a group of people that are just as passionate as he is about endurance cycling. So before we get into some of Mike's specific processes for direct distribution, we need to sort of clarify what this term audience means, because it doesn't necessarily refer to people who come to see your films in a theater, if you should be so lucky, or people who watch your films online. Instead, we're referring to an audience in the way that it's used by people who build online businesses and people who build content-driven online businesses. So having an audience is about gathering a group of like-minded people who are genuinely interested in your work as a filmmaker or a certain genre of film, or maybe even a certain niche topic, as is the case with Mike and his endurance cycling enthusiasts. But more than that, it's about having a way to directly communicate with these people whenever you want. So that could mean social media, although that's not the best, as we'll discuss later. More than anything, it means building an email list. So once this is in place, it enables a couple of very, very desirable outcomes. The most desirable of the bunch is that you're able to sell your films plus merchandise and other related products directly to your audience without any middlemen, and you end up making the lion's share of the profits. 
You also become far more attractive to traditional distributors because it means they have less marketing to do to make their money back from buying your film. On top of that, finding investors for future projects becomes so much easier because you can make a stronger, more believable, and more truthful case for why your film will actually make money when so many others fail to do so. In addition to that, crowdfunding becomes easier because you already have a direct relationship with the people who love your work and who want to see you succeed. And on top of all that, you can start generating income through other ways like Patreon, and just generally speaking, having an audience opens you up to all sorts of unforeseen opportunities that you'd never have otherwise. Basically, building and cultivating and nurturing your audience is one of the absolute best things that you can do for your film career, especially if you want to make a living from your original work. But now you're probably thinking, cool, but how do we go about building such an audience? And I'm glad you asked because there's a relatively simple process that I like to teach in my course that should make this task of building an audience a bit more straightforward. It works like this. Step one, decide what kind of films you wanna make, and then figure out what kind of audience watches those films. Step two, produce good topical content consistently that will be entertaining and engaging for that specific audience. Step three, Share your content directly in the places that your intended audience hangs out online. Step four, build systems to convert the people who consume your content into audience members. Basically, you want to find a way to use this content to get people on your email list. And then step five, you can refine it, repeat it, and you need to do it consistently over time, and it will build up and turn into something much bigger. There are a few somewhat confusing aspects of this. And one of the big ones that filmmakers get hung up on is this idea of content. What does it mean to create content? So that's something that I asked Mike to elaborate on. And here's what he told me. You know, we all, every, every single person who has an audience now, well, at one point, you know, they started at zero, right? So it's, it's um, I don't know that there's any magic bullet to it other than just consistency in putting your work out there and your message out there and yourself out out there. But I think, you know, you just on a daily basis, just, you know, it's content. Um, you know, I think audience engagement just comes down to, you know, your storyteller will tell stories and just tell some kind of story on a daily basis. That story could be 140 character tweet, it could be an image, it could be a full-blown post. But I think as an artist and someone who has something to say and or a story to say, you know, you're doing interesting things. You, you know, we have cameras, we have movie sets, we have actors, we have editing studios. So you know, on a daily basis, there's got to be something that you can put out to the world that's going to start a conversation. And then I think that's the key thing is, is just that engagement is a conversation. It isn't always push, push, push. It's back and forth. If you want to start building an audience, well, you got to communicate with those people. And you can do that on social media platforms, your phone. And then once your film is actually done and out there, as you are, you know, in festivals or in theatrical screenings, well, now you've got face-to-face -face time. And, and that is important. That's super key is, is having conversations, you know, letting 
letting your these fans and people know, like, and and trust you, and and get a deeper sense of of, of what, who you are and what you're about. But just that mentality of hey, every day I'm going to try to reach one new person, one new audience member that is going to kind of figure out you know what I'm about and what I'm what I'm doing and and can I kind of build a conversation with them and get to get to know them and and recognize them now once you've got the content part of the strategy down it's time to start thinking about how you can turn the people viewing your content and engaging with your content into email subscribers and bringing them on to your email list now i can already hear you groaning saying oh it's 2017 rob who uses email for anything anymore and frankly the answer to that is everybody but there's actually a few more reasons why you want to use an email list as opposed to Facebook page likes or YouTube subscribers or Instagram followers as your primary means of communicating with people. Here's what Mike has to say about that. It's it's true because you you own the email list in essence. So if someone has given you their email, whether it be a, a newsletter on, on a website or because they've purchased something from you at, at some point or, or a few other ways that, that someone has entrusted their email to you. Um, you own that email. You now own that conversation to that person. It's like having someone's phone number. You know, you now that you have it, you can, in essence, ring them up or, or, or start a conversation conversation uh, with them and you're right a Facebook like what the heck is a Facebook like right or or uh, or an Instagram follower uh, what happens you know granted this is unlikely at this stage of the game but what happens you know when Instagram goes away or or uh, your account gets shut down and and everything just disappears so assuming you're on board with using email as your primary tool for communicating with your audience and again, you really should be, because it's been shown that when it comes time to sell your work or sell anything or ask for anything from your audience, email converts at 40 times the rate of social media. Not 40% more, but 40 times more, which is just staggering. So regardless, I'll get off my email soapbox here. So provided that you're invested in email, the question then becomes, how do I get people onto my list. Now, there are a lot of different philosophies about that question, and some of them are borderline unethical, but the one that I use and that I recommend for filmmakers more than any other is simply this. Make your email list a valuable place to be, and then use your content as a means to tell people that your list is a valuable place to be. So if your audience is in some sort of niche like horror, for instance, you could use your email list as a curated weekly horror newsletter where you dive into all things horror filmmaking, where you curate other horror films, where you share interviews with directors or anything like that. The idea is that you create something in your emails each week that a horror fan would actually want to read. And by way of doing this, you actually show yourself to be an expert in horror as an authority in horror. And you can also use this as an opportunity to keep people updated on the progress of your own films and so on and so forth. Now, the second piece of that puzzle on telling people about the value of being on your email list is a little bit trickier. And I don't want to tell you exactly what to do because it may or may not be against the rules of wherever you're trying to share the content. So more than anything, you want to be creative with it and you really want to be engaged in the communities where you're sharing this stuff. 
But here's just a, a little example. If your content includes videos, you can include a little title card at the end that says, if you want a kick-ass weekly horror newsletter with lots of curated fun stuff, just go to this URL and sign yourself up. A lot of people will feel sort of spammy about telling people about their newsletter. But the thing is, if your newsletter is genuinely a valuable place to be, if horror fans will be thrilled to death about the content that you send to them each week, then it's your duty to tell people about it because it's something that could very well make their life better. And if they sign up and they don't like it, they can unsubscribe. Anyhow, here's Mike again to talk a little bit more about this idea of using email well to build relationships with your audience instead of just bombarding them with new offers. You know, I would say ask people to, hey, on a daily basis, you're getting 20, 30, 50, 70 emails a day. And inevitably, you're, you know, just look at your own habits. Delete, 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 delete. Oh, keep this one. Delete, 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 delete. Oh, keep this one. Why are you keeping the ones that you are keeping? What are those about? Who are they from? What value are you getting from them? You know, why isn't that email an automatic delete? What's going on in there? Do you like this? You know, so so that's, I think, something to, to think about. And, and don't be afraid to say, hey, reply to this email and let me know what you think or ask questions in the email. And then you're like, oh, my God, I don't have time to to reply to what if I get 50 emails? Well, dude, this is what it's about. Reply to those 50 people. Right. They're they're part of your audience. They're your friends. And back to your, you know, 1000 true fans of, you know, how do you get those 1000 true fans that anytime you put something out there will absolutely buy from you no matter what it is. Well, in order to get those 1000 true fans, you have to go be super cool and super friendly and super awesome to at least a thousand people. Okay. So now that you have a general understanding of the mechanics of building an audience, it's time to get into some really fun stuff, and that's what you can do with an audience. And again, I'm going to defer to Mike on this one. Now, obviously, he sells his films and his merch directly to his audience, both on his website and on VOD platforms, and he's also used it to run successful Kickstarters and things like that. But one of the coolest things that Mike does with his films is what he calls the worldwide premiere, where he essentially live streams the world premiere of his film for anyone who buys a ticket. It's really clever and creative, but I will let him describe the process. Here's Mike. My last film, most recent film, which is well, a documentary called Inspired to Ride. So this one, what was interesting, I kind of took the idea of, of a world premiere, which is generally reserved for you know, uh, hopefully a higher end film festival, but I didn't even submit to one film festival with with that film. Just uh, again, just owning it, this uh, this own process. So I, in essence, created my own world premiere and then kind of, you know, took the question of, you know, how could I actually invite the entire world to my world premiere? So kind of taking that idea. So we we got into our own our own theater and all the cast and, and crew were there and we did some live streaming. So the, the, the tickets were $20 um, for, for the people at the theater and then anyone around the world. So a $20 ticket got you access to the cast and the crew via live streaming 
And then also when the film actually played in the theater, well, then you got an email wherever you were around the world to uh, you got a 72 hour rental to, to watch the film. And, and we did that through VHX, the, the rental piece of it. And then the live streaming, uh, this was actually before Facebook Live. Um, now Facebook Live is awesome. So we could have done it with, uh, with Facebook Live. So we had people from like 44 different countries attend our world premiere. So the buzz was really, was really big. And then of course, um, we had everything in place where people could pre-order the film and, and purchase bundles with signed movie posters from the cast and crew, and then continued to um, do some more theatrical screenings in in a two or three state sort of area. I'm, I live in Denver, Colorado, so while the cast and crew were here, we hit two or three other states over over the course of nine days and did another seven screenings. So really took the idea of, of a film festival and, and the buzz of it and just, you know, ran with it. So I think I'm going to digress a little bit. I think so often, you know, we'll get into a film festival and create a lot of buzz around our project. And then, and then the film festival is over and then the buzz around your project dies. And, and if your film now comes out nine months later, you know, generally people have forgotten about it or don't care anymore. So I think as the buzz and, and the energy and people are talking about your film is hot, you got to run with it. All right, friend, that's a wrap on today's episode about how to make a living with your original films and more specifically, how to do it outside of the traditional ways of doing things, where you need to rely on gatekeepers and festivals and distributors to actively pick and choose you. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that if you decide to take this route of direct distribution, that it's going to be a lot of work, and it's going to take a long time. Mike's process to get where he is today took upwards of 8 to 10 years. That's not to say that you can't learn from what he's done and accelerate your own process. You absolutely can. And by the way, if you're you're interested in learning like every last little piece of his process, just go to moviemarketingmethod.com. That's where he teaches his course on basically everything he knows about direct distribution. Anyhow, like I was saying, this process is going to be something that you have to invest in in the long term, and you're going to have to show up consistently day in and day out to build your audience and nurture your audience in order for this to be something that's profitable for you in the long run. But at the same time, if you value your independence and your autonomy and you genuinely want to make a living with your original films and by telling the stories that you want to tell, this is the way to do it. There are more than 7 billion people on the planet at this point, and the vast majority of them are connected to the internet. I'm willing to bet you that 1,000 of those people, 5,000 of those people, just the smallest possible slice of those people, share your passion about a certain genre of film or a certain niche or a certain topic. And they'd almost certainly be willing to pay you to open their wallets just a little bit every single year for you to tell stories that are engaging and that light them up and that make them think and that make them feel. And you'll be able to actually make your living that way if you use the techniques that Mike and I outline in today's episode. 
so that's all I've got for you. If you want a little bit more bonus material and you want to hear Mike's thoughts on how to distribute physical products like DVDs, Blu-rays, t-shirts, etc., etc., head to filmmakerfreedom.com slash six and you'll be able to hear an extra chunk of the interview where Mike dives into some really detailed stuff about this. Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and found it useful. And more than anything, I hope you take the leap and start building an audience of your very own as quickly as you can, because it'll pay off big time in the long run. Oh, and in case I haven't mentioned it enough already, this whole season is sponsored by my friends over at Music Vine. Now, I don't make nearly as many original films as I used to, mostly because this writing and podcasting business of mine is just really damn time-consuming. But if I did, and once I'm back to it because I definitely plan on getting back to it, Musicvine is going to be my go-to source for high-quality music that I actually want to use, and best of all that I can actually afford, because let's be honest, a lot of the premium licensing sites, the prices can get out of hand really fast. So if you want to take Musicvine for a spin, just head over to filmmakerfreedom.com and click on the link over to their site, and it'll automatically give you 10% off your first song. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Peace. Peace.